Is RGB finally here? It might be its time. It's one of those shadowy projects that's been on the sidelines of Bitcoin building for years and years, promising to solve a lot of the Bitcoin scale solutions, but nothing has really bubbled to the broader Bitcoin mainstream culture. You probably haven't seen anything they've done. That might change next month. The guest I have on today is working out with his team. I'm super excited about the potential for this project. So without further ado, first, what is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast. I'm your humble host, Jacob Brown. And today I have Hunter Beast on the podcast. Hunter is the director of engineering at Deba, and he also works on the Bitmask Bitcoin wallet app. So I think you're going to hear those names a lot more over the coming months. But for now, just know that Deba is a company that makes RGB and Bitcoin tools. And the one you're going to see most importantly next month is a NFT or what they call a unique digital asset or a UDA marketplace and a wallet called Bitmask, which is actually really great because it supports Bitcoin L1, Lightning, RGB, Noster. They plan on doing ordinals in the next couple months. They, they just want to be the one size fits all super app. It's not custodial, uh, handling all the stuff. So really impressed with what I saw so far. Because I had seen nothing from RGB up to about two weeks ago. So I had to get Hunter on the podcast to talk about what is RGB. I've heard this name before. I've heard this thing called client-side validation. But besides that, I know absolutely nothing. So we talk about what RGB is, this idea of client-side validation. We talk about global state, which most of you are used to, and distributed state, which RGB is built on, and a bunch of other topics. So without further ado, I bring you... Hunter Beast, Director of Engineering at Deba. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Hunter, what's up, my man? How are you today? What's going on? Fantastic. Uh, excited to talk, talk with you. I recently, you know, RGB is one of those things that's been in people's minds for a long time, but it's just kind of like, maybe you see uh, Orlovsky giving a talk. Besides that, it's like this theoretical thing that's sometime in the future. And it wasn't until I got to try the stuff that you guys are working on at Deba and Bitmask where I was like, oh shit, this is this is freaking cool. So really excited to talk about RGB, Bitcoin, and wherever else this kind of conversation goes. But just to start, maybe you can give me a brief background of your background and, and kind of how you got into Bitcoin. Yeah, so I actually got into it. Um, so I, I didn't I didn't really start out a Bitcoiner. I'm, I'm here in Denver and we have a large Ethereum community and a conference called ETH Denver. And I went to that just about every year. Uh, and they have, they have a pretty decent sized meetup scene and stuff as far as I know extremely strong delineations between the two you know camps uh this was around and and maybe i was just blind to it because i was i was a newcomer but uh this was around 2017 or so 2016 20 no 2017 yeah uh and so 2017 and then and then going into 2018 i started getting more serious about it and uh and i started a, a web3 startup got into you know Solidity and IPFS and also the cool stuff, but a, a little later I came to to work for Fa the Falcoin protocol, uh, and this is around twenty twenty one or so, 
and you know, I had my head in decentralized storage for quite a bit uh, through a couple different avenues, and so that was kind of neat. Around that same time, I read the Bitcoin Standard, and it just kind of fast-forwarded some thinking that uh, I had been doing, and uh, a, a lot of things fell into place, and kind of like already began like my journey into Bitcoin maximalism, you know. But like this, this kind of cemented it, and so it's it's safe to say at this point, like I mean, well, not at this point. Like I, I, when I when I first saw RGB, I was like, this with this, there we don't need anything else, like. If we already have payments through Lightning and have other ways to scale it, uh, then really all we just need is smart contracts functionality, and then we've got pretty much everything we need from, you know, the Bitcoin time chain. And so, like the minute I understood RGB, that was like a big orange pilling moment for me. That that was maximalism for me. Like that, that was like if we if we don't need anything else, then then we're good. Got it. And 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 what what um. I think you said 2021 you were working on Filecoin. So when did you get like RGB pilled? Uh, that was about in the same year. And uh, 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 I, I came to uh, talk to uh, Gideon Weze at Deba later that year. He's a CEO. And I also was uh, following Jose Diego Robles' work. Uh, he was working with the earliest version or earliest versions i'd seen of rgb at the time which was uh version 0.4 it, it was a very different project back then uh, a lot less mature but one thing that i i i knew is that i wanted to be a part of it and uh you know it's one of those things where like i i, I saw its potential and i saw it was early on and i i just knew that i was like oh this is this could be the next big thing and so I, I put a lot of time and invest a lot of time and energy in, in, into understanding it and working in it. And as soon as I was able, uh, I came up to Gideon and and in February of 2022 and uh, said, "Hey, man, I'd love to work for you. I'd love to help you with uh, build Bitbask and and you know integrate RGB tech." And he was like, "Yeah, right on. Let's do this." And so uh, I've been there ever since. That's awesome. Yeah, I got to connect with Gideon yesterday. We had a brief call, and uh, that dude's a beast. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with, with the team I've seen so far. I want to jump into RGB, but poke. I want to poke on like the reasons why a little bit more just for a second, because there's so much... Bitcoin is so fractured because everyone's trying different bets to solve different problems. So Lightning is peer-to-peer, kind of off-chain scaling... Uh, you have the L1, Ordinals is this new thing, and then you have all these different kind of side chains doing different uh, mechanisms. And then RGB is this client side thing, although it sounds like you're about to push back on something. Well, I, I just, I, I wouldn't call it fractured so much as like, I mean, to see it as fractured would be like seeing, you know, the rest of Web3 is fra- fractured, right? Like, I mean, thinking of, you know, uh, um, uh, trying to remember the name binance smart chain uh uh polygon uh avalanche phantom you know the the the, the scale evm compatible scaling layers right like or chains and so uh uh there's of course arbitrum and like a few other like projects that like you, you could kind of ima- imagine as kind of maybe taking away development energy from ethereum 
And so, like, I kind of, I, I don't know if I would say, like, Bitcoin is fragmented so much as it has a similar amount of energy to all the rest of Web3. <laughs> you know, like, there's just so much going on that, like, I mean, it seems like there's fragmentation, but, like, also we have to remember, you know, less than maybe 1% of the world is using Bitcoin for everything. And so, um, like, until we're using more, like, like substantially more, I mean, we really shouldn't be considering ourselves terribly in competition with each other. Like, I mean, I'll definitely snipe at people on Twitter, like at people I, I see as like rivals, but um, that's just to like keep my own energy up. That's how I work. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm a bit more competitive that way. The, the, one of the most energizing things is, is, to, is for Udi Wertheimer to come into a thread and just throw some shade, say like RGB isn't a thing. I'm like, well, fuck you. I'll make it a thing. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah. Point taken. So I should clarify. In the crypto space more broadly, you have MetaMask and you know Solidity. You get crazy coverage across chains and user experience, like onboarding. And that's not the case in Bitcoin. We have different wallet protocols. You have different programming languages. And that fractures the focus of both the onboarding and the dev experience so that's what i mean by fracturing yeah, so there is a okay. so there's a decision to be made by a developer to build an ecosystem and learn say rust for example which gives you more and more coverage by the day it seems like but if you're going to stack for learning clarity and if you're going to rootstock you're learning solidity and so like going deep down a certain rabbit hole over indexes if that ecosystem pops versus, okay, now Bootstock is taking off. I've got to, if I'm going to be value accretive to Bitcoin, I should probably go learn Solidity as well. Like, do, you, do you think that's a, a fair point? And then if so, uh, yeah, I'm curious about like building on RGB versus Lightning, which has been hot for a while, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, de definitely RGB and Lightning are, are solving different problems and I think they're complementary. You know, one thing you, you mentioned earlier was just, you know, the like MetaMask is being like kind of like this uh, maybe shelling point across the Web3 ecosystem. And I think a major part of that is EIP 1193, which is the Web3 provider API. And so that essentially injects the like the Ethereum window object into the browser window and allows JavaScript developers, web developers to just latch onto that and say, hey, I'd like, you know, some connectivity to a wallet and be able to sign a transaction and when I need to and, and, and detect what network they're on, that kind of thing. That's something that does not exist in Bitcoin. And one thing that also kind of parallels this uh, was the early work on color coins. One thing is Jimmy Song, he was kind of like an an early contributor to the color coin pro projects, at least one of them. And he, you know, I, I met him recently. He, 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 he explained to me there was like about five or six different even on-chain protocols for colored coins at that time around 2013. Many different, you know, approaches to solving that problem of tokens, essentially, alternate unit, units of account on Bitcoin. He did a retrospective in 2017 or so as to why the color coin movement perhaps failed. 
And he gave three reasons. Uh, one was uh, that it was, it was just a little bit before its time. You know, people didn't quite know the utility. Two was like there wasn't enough marketing because, you know, like, I mean, it's not like people had had a, had figured out how to pre-mine 72 million ETH, you know, uh, to, to finance a, a foundation. The third most salient point, I think, was the fact that there wasn't enough standardization between the protocols. And so since there wasn't standardization, there was, it was definitely like a fragmentation user experience, a fragmentation in developer energy. And I, that is one thing I think RGB did help with, they, they did address, is they created a standards organization and they very explicitly laid out these these standards that they tried to, you know, these on-chain standards, these contract standards, and they just tried to, you know, get everybody on the same page in terms of standardization and intercompatibility. That's, that's incredibly valuable for beca because we already have maybe... I would say four or five different companies now uh, using RGB technology, and if we were all, you know, just using building different tech, that wouldn't that that would be a, a massive fragmentation in its own right. So I, I feel like RGB is definitely like g gathering, you know, uh, a lot of really talented, brilliant developers and development energy, and it, 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 the, the standards have helped focus that and just you know, kind of gather um, a lot of kind of the direction between where setting the intention and, and where where the protocol should go. Do we have anything like EIP 1193? Not yet. However, there are uh, people working on the web BTC and web LN uh, standards. There's a, definitely a, a coordination happening behind the scenes between, you know, like Leather Wallet and uh, you know, just a few other wallet developers, like we're, we're collaborating with them and uh, we're just, we're, we're trying to figure out how to develop the standard, how to, how to standard, because that is something we're definitely wanting to work towards. And, you know, Web3 does set kind of the standard for this, right? They've had a ton of money. They've had a ton of development energy. They've had a ton of time to iterate and find, you know, maybe the best thing that could work for them and the best solutions, at least for them. I mean, maybe, you know, that MetaMask uh, uh, experience isn't always ideal, and maybe that can be improved upon, but uh, it definitely is like a, a bar that we should at least meet, right? And mm -hmm. so um, that uh, that's something that, that we definitely are working towards. That's, no, that's that, that's really good to hear. That's that's one of those things that's like unsexy stuff in the background that's like super important. It's like standards, standard setting. Uh, so I'm glad to hear like people like Leather and you guys are uh, working towards it behind the scenes. Cool. Then let's let's jump in there. We got a lot to cover with with RGB. Uh, shout out to the cat. And uh, so yeah, let's just start with like the highest level overview because I think some people have heard the name. This idea of client side validation is probably somewhat in the lexicon. And then beyond that, I don't think people know much about what RGB is. So yeah, g give us the brief overview. So R RGB is a smart contracting protocol. It didn't start out that way necessarily. It was, you know, kind of a continuation of the color coins, lessons, and uh, thinking. Maxim Rolovsky, Dr. Maxim Rolovsky, he, he came in and he was able to 
at his perspective the project and it, it it expanded in scope and capability and now it's just a generalized smart contracting protocol and uh with it complete with its own virtual machine uh called ALUVM that is something that runs within wallets uh, a good way to conceptualize the way RGB works is it's a, a a kind of a fat wallet model so there's no like kind of really necessarily RGB node per se i mean there could be if you wanted it to but it doesn't have to be built that way and it's not built by that that way in bitmask it it really is kind of like a self custody cold contract cold wallet design and architecture that we think that is very valuable from like a like not just a privacy and self sovereignty standpoint but also a security standpoint because you don't have to worry about your your contract being hacked overnight because if your wallet's offline if you're you know just you, you don't have your your signer connected or whatever, then there's no way for it to be compromised without your you being there. You know, ever since the beginning with the EVM, you've seen, you know, with the DAO hack and then then on, you know, with them these co- smart contracts hack, hacks that are on chain, they're essentially these big like hot wallets that multiple parties can permissionlessly make use of and. It really does. It really could. I mean, th- th- those those are big honeypots in, in in a sense. We're, we're basically taking what's usually in one contract and we're distributing the state of the contract into uh, each individual, uh, and they only they have just the contract, the part of the contract that concerns just them and their peers, uh, and and really like the, the the individuals who've had it before. You kind of need a kind of a chain of custody. At least until we have uh, zero knowledge proofs that could help uh, collapse chain history like that. But there, it really is kind of like a um, distributed state rather than global state. And so it's a, a way to scale uh, smart contract execution off chain uh, within the wallet itself, uh, built on top of Bitcoin, UTXOs. So you don't need like a, another, like it, like. People say like a gas token. Well, I just call it a fee token. Uh, well, fees. We, you, you don't pay fees uh, in any other token than Bitcoin. It's the base, base, the base pro- protocol. You know, uh, uh, I think that's also a big selling point from like a, a user experience perspective. Uh, it does make it more analogous to the Ethereum experience, where you have you know the base protocol uh, money that's also could be used as the digital oil to power world computer contracts, you know, like uh, to, to use old rhetoric from that, you know, my time in the community. Uh, I think there's a lot of value to just staying Bitcoin only for paying for fees and helping, you know, uh, miners uh, pay their bills, but not, but also being good stewards of the time chain. So we're not, you know, making a bunch of UTXOs willy-nilly. One thing that's kind of also nice as kind of like maybe this is a segue into ordinals and also BRC20. This is concept of UTXO in Bitcoin. That basically, it's like a pile of money uh, for your listeners who don't always know what a UTXO is, and uh, uh, it's just like a pile of Bitcoin that could be spent. It's it's uh, it's owned by someone, and once it's spent, it can't be spent again. It's, there has to be a new UTXO now uh, that that holds that money. And so what's interesting is they, they have a you know, fair amount of overhead from like a, a node database perspective. And it's not good to like bloat the UTXO set unnecessarily. And so one thing that 
we do at Deba is we put all the tokens on a single UTXO. That's something you can't really do with ordinals because the way that ordinals works, the base protocol perspective, not ne not necessarily like speaking of the meta protocols, but the base protocol of ordinals is that uh, the first sat is is inscribed, right? Or like you 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 pick a sat point that is inscribed with a uh, inscription, and so that is part of the UTXO. The the sat point is part of the out point, and an out point is a way to indicate or describe a specific UTXO within a transaction. And what's neat about RGB is that we can kind of batch tokens onto a single UTXO and not just batch, but settle on on, on them. And uh, But that said, I use the word, word batch because that's something that we're working on right now for BitMask is the capability to batch multiple token transfers onto a single UTXO spend so that if you do multiple transfers before the block is mined, you only pay one fee, even though you're paying multiple different people, you know, who could spend those tokens afterwards. So we like to think that helps scale Bitcoin in, in, in some ways too. So I want to take it back high level for a second, because I want to make sure people grok as much as they can with this, with this so that you, you say it's a smart contract platform or protocol, I'm not sure what word you used. Uh, so that kind of puts it, so that puts it mentally in the space of what liquid rootstock stacks are trying to do as far as like extending use cases for Bitcoin. And then you use this word fat wallet, which does help me kind of understand it, which is what well, it, it comes to mind in, in a couple of ways. One is that is the wallet actually like size bigger on my computer? And then two is the is the resource demand on a fat wallet or a bitmask wallet, for example. Is it more intensive for the user compared to what they're used to with a leather or XYZ wallet? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. It, it probably is. Uh, we're, so we, we are working on some tech that should hopefully alleviate some of that. It's definitely doing more. It's uh, definitely like uh, a lot more data. There's uh, wallet addresses for it to track, that sort of thing. Hopefully it's not too noticeable for the user. We use Rust, so... Yeah, and, and WebAssembly, so it, it, it should hopefully be a bit more optimized than, you know, if it was entirely written in JavaScript or something, you know. In some ways, also, it could be faster because a lot of stuff is happening locally. You know, if it doesn't have to reach out to the server for everything, like to check your token balance, that kind of thing, you just kind of know from the contracts that you have uh, what tokens you have, then in some ways it might even be faster. But, like, compared to, you know... Uh, other other protocols that use tokens, but it depends. It it really is like a complicated question, actually. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting because it's making me think of two things. One one is like when you use Bitmask, the transactions are fast because it's it it's it's basically instant. Like the the UDA is created instantly. The 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 funding was really quick. So this idea of like sending a transaction with a blockchain paradigm. You're used to 10, 20, whatever minute block times. But then the other one is like, and this is more of the, the thing that we're touching on right now, is the load on the person's computer, which kind of brings in this idea of like, you want a Bitcoin node to be low, easy to run so that you can get maximum decentralization. So I'm assuming that running this wallet, like if you have any computer from the past 15 years, like it's still going to be powerful enough to run it, right? Like it's not like... It's not adding that much more load to the average user's computer, I'm assuming. 
Yeah, no, it it should be like on on par with other browser extensions. If you have any like password managers, for example, they probably have a similar amount of WebAssembly code. Uh, I know that one uh, password actually is written in Rust. Uh, a lot of uh, large portions of it, anyway. If you have no trouble running, you know, one password or other browser extensions that are like it, then it's not always checking things in the background necessarily. It's only when it's open, when it's running. So we try our best to, to make it as optimal and, and performance uh, optimized as we can because we, we're, we're total nerds about that kind of stuff. Adipa, Rust developers generally are. <laughs> we try to Got it. get a few more microseconds. <laughs> okay, yeah. It, yeah. Doesn't sound like that would be a blocker then. Okay, that, that's good to know. Th- then the other thing you mentioned that I want to hit on is in every other paradigm, we're used to this idea of global state. It's just the way the blockchains work. You know, we want to be able to have global state so we know this verifiable truth. My coins are on the ledger somewhere. And then you mentioned distributed state is the RGB paradigm. So talk to me a little about how these are different, some of the trade-offs. Because if everyone's used to the global state idea, this distributed state is not something that we're going to be used to. Uh, I think one of the, the bigger like culture shock moments is like the absence of a, a block explorer. There's no blocks involved. There's like the only blocks are the ones that Bitcoin uses for settling the single use seals that are uh, essentially used in client side validation. We haven't really got into that much, but that's like kind of inner, inner workings of RGB. But basically, when you spend a UTXO, RGB will make metadata for that UTXO that describes what happens to the contract when it's spent, and that's called a state transition. Sort of a cryptographic commitment to that UTXO that is then broken when you spend it, and then you know there's new state, and that is changed, uh, and it's being changed by someone who owns it. So it's all really like valuable security model stuff for us to benefit from, from Bitcoin's own security model. And as far as global state and distributed state, so how that comes back to, to distributed state is you just keep track of the contract data that you are that you're involved in the the seal component that's on chain is that's the only portion that you can actually see on a block explorer like mempool.space like we do provide a transaction ID for you to go and be able to look at uh, what your transaction looks like on chain but that that said it, it shouldn't look any different from any other taproot transaction because we don't really use it for containing information necessarily other than just that the information is that you've spent it. And so that's really how the protocol works. And then the rest of the contract information is stored off chain. And we end-to-end encrypt it in a format called Carbonado that is uh, uses wallet keys that are generated by the wallet itself to store the data and be able to verify it exists remotely. So that that's, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. So that's how we kind of answer the question of data availability and uh, how, how a user will be expected to, you know, be able to self-custody their contract data at some point and how we make multiple copies. So we have redundant backups and then we have client-side backups and there's also the inner workings of how we reconcile, you know, the different differences in state between all those different sources of truth. But yeah. <laughs> One thing that comes to mind is... Um, it's every, this. This is showing my ignorance of technical side, but is DeFi harder in a distributed state paradigm then? Because if I look at if I look at how global state DeFi works, like because they have a block time, they can have a consensus of what the current 
uh, you know, pool is and how much volume is going through it. And then the block explorers and these indexers can then pull data and then people can adjust what they're doing. And so it becomes this flywheel of actions. And when I look at like Lightning, for example, and like what Collider is doing, they're trying to do a peer-to-peer uh, exchange and they to solve for that problem, they do it in like funding rounds. So it's, it becomes a quasi block time through, you can do whatever you want, we batch it up and then we execute them and then we repeat the process. Is that, uh, that's, that's one of their design, design decisions. Is this fundamentally more difficult in a distributed state paradigm of doing things like DeFi and, you know, AMMs and these kind of things? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be different solutions for that kind of stuff and there it won't be a a canned solution for you to reach for that other people have done and so uh is it more difficult likely yes you can get this to work but it really is kind of like a superset of functionality like you could you know get this to work like an ordinary blockchain node and you know get a bunch of centralized global state on that node but it's not designed to work like it, it it's it's designed to work so much to, to do so much more than that and so yeah be and because it can people use it that way because it's so much more useful because uh then you don't have the problem of fees for contract execution the reason ethereum has the gas fee model which differs from bitcoin's fee model which is based on bytes on chain uh gas is a unit of computation you know whatever computation units are you know, I know how big a byte is. I don't know what a computation unit is. Uh, but uh, regardless, uh, we have this nebulous idea of computation that we're charging for. And it's really there to solve a, a problem in computing that you can't solve it without a, like a, a source of verifiable scarcity, like with money. And that um, that problem is the halting problem. The way that Ethereum solves for this is just making it so that you have a limited amount of time for that contract to execute before it stops. That is determined by how much you pay for the contract to execute. And what the way RGB kind of gets around this problem is it just does that computation in your wallet. And so if it's just between you and your peer paying each other, there's no really real incentive necessarily to DDoS each other. And so if you're not like just executing a bunch of contracts willy-nilly, then you should be fine from like a DDoS standpoint. And so you would be affected. Nobody else would be affected. So it's also like less of a, um, I would just say win, you know, like it, it doesn't get the attacker much. By distributing the problem, you're able to uh, solve these other problems in a more elegant way. That, that makes perfect sense. And that, yeah, that, that definitely solves a lot of incentives around trying to abuse the system because you're just abusing yourself if you do it in the wrong way. Perfect. Makes sense. Okay. I want to jump into the things you guys are building, but one more nuance I want to touch on, make sure that people uh, understand this. Because again, go back to global state. You have this idea of like your stuff is stored somewhere else by some miner, by some nodes, maybe running your own node, but it's out there kind of being held by some other person for the average Bitcoiner. And so the private key can like unlock the, when you want to move it, for for example, but in this distributed systems, like where where is everything stored because there's just an open question there of like where where's my nft or uda stored you know if it's in cold storage like how is the data availability so like how are some of these things different 
I touched on that a little bit with Carbonado. Uh, that's how we sulfured at Biba. Other wallets might sulfur using Storm, which is uh, an RGB project. RGB actually has a number of really, really cool, useful projects. Storm is a decentralized storage protocol, a node in a database, whereas Carbonado is just kind of like a file format encoding. But it it's able to accomplish the same problem, like of just keeping the data in a secure way. There's also some other really cool projects they have, like Prometheus, like which is verifiable commute, computing, which is also very exciting, leads into some stuff on Prime. Hopefully we can talk about Prime uh, a little bit, if, if you don't mind. But uh, getting back to data availability, where is the data kept? It's, it's just kept in files and it could be it kept. It, so we keep, we keep them on our servers. We have a, a, a contract with HUD8 and we have a couple different servers. We save to two different servers at the same time, plus to the device locally. And we use this thing called a, a conflict-free replicated data type, which is very fancy data structure that is capable of reconciling differences between different sources of truth. Definitely like data availability is always gonna be a, you have to kind of solve for yourself. Ultimately, it's like bring your own storage kind of thing from an RGB perspective, from a protocol perspective. We also have worked out a deal with Start9 that we're really excited about. So uh, Start9, they, they make these uh, really, really slick Bitcoin nodes, all kinds of like self-hosted software that you can set up pretty easily. And uh, it's, it's a hardware device you can buy and they're hoping to be one of the first wallets to uh, land in their marketplace uh, as like a, a fully integrated self-hosted Bitcoin wallet. It's a, it's a web wallet and we want to integrate it with uh, all the services that, that Start9 supports. And so what, what's what's kind of interesting about Bitcoin is it's like some people see it as more fragmented, but I just see it as more distributed, decentralized, that kind of thing. Whereas like Ethereum might have one or two or th I think just maybe two implementations of of the base protocol that, you know, all the different accounts stuff is integrated all into the same you know, CLI and all the same daemon uh, program process. You, you have kind of these separate layers of abstraction in the Bitcoin world. It's just a lot of different energy and a lot, a lot more like how would you say people solving different pro or the, the same problem in different ways. And I think that's actually really valuable from uh, a security standpoint. What's neat about Bitcoin it, it being so, um, I would just say kind of bare bones is kind of like a it's it's it really is like a, a tabula rasa in many ways to to, to uh, like a blank slate for for developers to work on. It allows us to come up with creative solutions in different ways than you know we could have imagined even a decade ago. I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a big believer too. I, I like the uh, the constraints breathe creativity, so it, it makes you think differently about that. And it's it's refreshing to hear where. Data availability is kind of a, you have to bring your own device at, at, a, at a core level if you want to make sure that it's yours. Because it's not something we think about when you're buying your NFTs. You're just like, I own it and I own it forever. But, you know, Ordinals kind of has something like this, but you're paying absurd prices bite for bite. And then you have things like Arweave, which have who knows how long the tokenomics will work and everything in between. So, you know, as you said, that the best way to do it is to, you know, run a node like a Start9 device and make sure that you're right-click saved on your local device. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, we want to make that easy uh, with, this, with the technology we're building. And I actually did the calculation, the cost 
benefit of when would I break even for how, how many years in the future would I break even if I were to store my, you know, JPEG on the Bitcoin time chain versus just keep it for a month in S3 and, mm-hmm. um, buy for bite at a rate, at, at a fee rate of 10, I think it's 10 or 20 sats per V byte. It's a billion times more expensive than S3 <laughs> and, uh, in addition, so cloud storage, right? And so, in, in, in addition, it would take about 10,000 years to break even. Uh, and that's just assuming that, uh, and, and, and that's assuming that Bitcoin's price never appreciates. <laughs> so, uh, otherwise, it would be the heat death of the universe. And so, very, very few good reasons, I think, uh, to um, ins- inscribe data from like a for like, you know, JPEGs, because like some people use, you know, it as like kind of a substitute for archival. But what if, you know, like I I can imagine scenarios in the future where perhaps the Bitcoin blockchain is not as necessary to to, to keep around, uh, to archive, like in full. And, you know, like there's there there was even talk about witness pruning and that kind of thing. I, I don't know how effective that that it like the the concept of keeping your data out on ten or twenty thousand you know Bitcoin nodes is going to be for for the years to come. And so some things we're exploring at Deepa with Carbonado is the file format. It actually has baked in a verific- verification encoding that allows us to just reach out and ask for small subset portions of the file and. If we can get just a small piece of it, then we can verify likely that the rest of it exists. By doing that, we can verify probably a million times more data than needing to actually download it all over again to uh, verify remotely. And by doing that, we can like pay remote peers for storing that data over time. But if you don't want to do that, if you want to pay for all your storage in advance, one thing we, we've we've considered is just launching it in a space, and and so we've actually uh, spoken to some some people who are looking into orbital archival, and uh, there's also the consideration that if you're willing to pay a billion x premium on on your data to you know have our this archival, then you know any 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 less. Uh, amount than that, you know, is actually a good deal. And so it, it might make sense to launch your data into space. It might make more sense to launch your data into space than it would to inscribe it onto the Bitcoin time chain. Interesting. Interesting. I want to cover, so we've been talking for 50 minutes. I'd love to like cover in the next 10, 10 15, Bitmask, which you guys are launching next month with Deba, And then I'd love to touch on Prime as you brought up a little bit earlier. So we can kind of go in that order. But yeah, talk to us a little bit about Bitmask, what you guys have built with this wallet, which is, I've I've used it. It's really nice. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. uh, So it's it's a very ambitious wallet. Bitcoin uh, Taproot, it's a Taproot only wallet, uh, though we will be adding the capability to uh, generate a SegWit address and sweep those funds into tap, a taproot address should you ever need it. But that, that'll only be for like the case where you an exchange is super being like super uncooperative uh, with 
being able to withdraw to your taproot address. And heaven forbid you want to actually send from a taproot address to an exchange. I don't know how we're going to support that. And uh, it's just, there's this kind of like, there's always been this awkward transition time where wallets catch up to the new standard before exchanges do. And then, you know, the exchange takes a while to, like we saw this with SegWit and they eventually came around to it, you know, but it took them, you know, how many years to, to get SegWit going? But anyway, I'm getting I'm getting in the weeds. Uh, so Taproot only, there's Noster key generation. And uh, so you have an NPUB that we pr- were able to provide and a username that's a NIP5 identifier and also a lightning address. And it should also be able to send and receive zaps. We've of course got RGB support for RGB20 and RGB21. So RGB tokens, so we've got RGB, RGB20 is a fungible token standard, RGB21 is non-fungible. We like to call them uh, unique digital assets or UDAs. I feel like I'm missing stuff, you know, but we, we've got a whole heck of a lot of functionality in that little wallet. And we've got a lot more planned for it too. Uh, one thing that, that I'm, I'm getting uh, really close to finalizing is uh, the capability to swap between uh, on-chain and uh, uh sats and and off-chain like lightning sats using dz uh that that, that'll be hopefully like a just a you know click a button you can transfer this many sats at this 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 speed at this fee rate and uh it should be relatively smooth so relatively smooth experience a lot of functionality in that little wallet and we're really proud of uh how how smooth we've been able to get it but it's it's uh we still have uh uh a lot more things we want to do with it, and and there's a a, a big launch uh, for a an accompanying uh, unique digital asset marketplace that that it integrates with, and so that'll be launching hopefully November 11th. That's kind of like when we expect everything to align. One other thing that we're we're really excited about is the capability for peer-to-peer swaps of RGB assets for on-chain Bitcoin. Yeah, and that's Bitmask. I mean, that, yeah, you, you covered a ton of that. I think uh, just to rehash briefly, because this is the thing that I found really refreshing is, um, you know, one of the reasons why I don't use Nostra currently is I don't want to have to manage another private key just for messaging. Like, I don't care enough. The, the value's not there for me. So using, making a Bitmask, because one, I want to try RGB. I'm like, this looks interesting. Let me give it a shot. And then I was pleasantly surprised to know that it already supports L1, Lightning, which I was able to send sats to easy. Nostra when I want to, so I got the NPUB. RGB, um, so I, I'm really bullish on a wallet that crosses enough of the check marks across the big current players. The only thing you guys are missing in my mind, if I'm looking at like where the current interest is, is ordinals. So like if you guys had ordinal support, I could see you guys being a top 10 wallet pretty quickly because you already do everything else so well. Is that on your near-term roadmap, or you guys have other things that are higher priority? It is definitely on our near-term roadmap. Right now, we're really focused on launching our marketplace, but hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have ordinal support. Uh, and one thing I look forward to is teleburning, being able to consolidate Bitcoin transactions into RGB 21 unique digital assets. Uh, so that might be fun to see how, how that might play within the community. Yeah, and, and again, like this is something that people will have to try out once once you guys go live November 11th, hopefully. Uh, but it's really surreal to have things just execute like that. Like imagine you're using Lightning for all of your stuff. It's 
it's such a weird paradigm shift when you're used to like sending out you pay a high-ish fee and it just goes off into the ether for who knows how long you know hopefully the 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 dgens aren't going too hard trying to mint whatever new token they're trying to ape into it's just not a problem on rgb so uh yeah i'm really excited for to try this stuff out last question i want to close on then and you and you brought it up is prime and i've seen i've seen the thing on twitter a little bit um, but having deep dived in, deep dived in, it looks like it's still pretty early in its process, but it has big implications. So, yeah, talk to us about Prime. It's one of the most exciting things, uh, like on my mind right now. Like, in in fact, I I I am I'm so freaking excited about it because it solves kind of like this problem that always sits in the back of every Bitcoiner's mind: is how are we going to scale to solve you know a billion people's needs, uh, eight billion people, ten billion people, right? One you know, solution for Prime that we're exploring will allow us to put over a million transactions into a single block. Prime is uh, like some of the applications for it that could be really groundbreaking are like with, with that much, you know, scalability at, at you know, such a, uh, a low um, resource utilization because it, it really does, like what it does is it simplifies the concept uh, of single use seals that RGB needs without all the overhead of a UTXO's model and script SIGs and like all these, you know, like like a, a scripts, you know, running inside your your UTXOs and you have the script VM and all this, like all that stuff is handled within the LU VM and client-side validation and RGB. And so if we're able to keep that off, off chain, then we can keep the base layer very, you know, minimal. And so, what, what I'm really excited about with RGB is if we can scale to a million transactions per block with a very low uh, computational and space overhead and bandwidth overhead. Some some of these scaling problems are actually really difficult to solve if you if you don't have another another chain uh, because like like the, some things you can't you can only do on chain. Uh, one of those things is uh, RGB twenty one like like kind of NFTs essentially. Uh, they're non-fungible, so they can't, there's no liquidity in any kind of token channel you could come up with for that. That has to, all, that could, any, any kind of transfer has to occur on chain. They cannot really happen over a token channel. There's also swaps. The way we're doing swaps requires an on-chain component, and we think that it's probably the best way to do it in our, in our minds, especially if we have Prime and we're kind of building towards the future. And then I think one of the third most exciting applications for for prime could be scaling the lightning network because you know there's always like this this question of like will everybody be able to have a utxo uh will everybody be able to have you know their own channels and be able to sell custody their keys and that sort of thing and uh with uh prime the the answer is emphatically yes and so um that all these things are very good deal and and i think that the cherry on top is that uh, no modifications to the base protocol are needed. Uh, it is entirely permissionless, yes. Also, uh, um, we can get permissionless uh, or trustless two-way two PAG, verifiable computing protocol uh, for state channels uh, called Prometheus that uh, Dr. Olofsky is working on. And when it's applied, when Prometheus is applied to the two-way PEG, it's create, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's used to create a, a a protocol called Radiant, and so if you're a fan of you know uh, uh, Isaac Asimov's foundation, he's got Prime and Radiant, and uh, 
uh, are uh, something that uh, I've been working with some other individuals on is, uh, I don't, hopefully it'll be out by the time this comes out, is uh, the, um, uh, the, the ninth, ninth proof of folding. Uh, so uh, this, is, this is kind of the way to kind of improve certain pieces of RGB that, that, that makes it, you know, uh, a million transactions per block, which is actually a lot lower than it originally started out with, but it does solve a lot of the interactivity and data availability issues that people have pointed out. Uh, you know, for example, you would need to store six gigabytes of data per UTXO per year uh, to spend your UTXOs. And also, if you missed any of the proofs within that year, then it would be unspendable. And so uh, we think those are kind of deal breakers. And we, we would like to think that there are really good, elegant ways to, to solve those problems uh, using Starks, Stark proofs. And that's uh, essentially what the, the ninth proof of foldings uh, uh, proposal uh, is, uh, is solving. And so that's, that's, that's one of the big reasons why I'm, I'm actually really, really excited about Prime. So. Got it. Very cool. I mean, a million transaction per block is like crazy moon math. So that sounds super exciting. Uh, that was my last question, but I actually got one more that popped in my head, which is that you mentioned that all of this is done without changing Bitcoin, which is amazing. Like that's kind of the gold standard. Uh, but in that context, is there anything currently being proposed, whether it's you know CTV or ZK opcode or something that bolsters RGB? Or do you guys really don't need anything for Bitcoin to chase to do everything that you guys are currently aiming for? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I, I used to think that uh, Prometheus, I mean, I used to think that CTV was actually um, like a, a, a pretty, like something that we would, we would actually need to make, uh, say, custodial contracts, like co contracts that could take custody of a coin, because uh, that is one thing that we actually do not have the capability for right now. It's more, that's why I say it's more like metadata about a UTXO. It's more like, like an alternative unit of account. These are like contracts that are, are, are kind of different than the way EVM contracts are that can, can have whole, you know, um, funds and uh and have global state and that sort of thing and, and rgb does have global state you just have to do it differently and uh so um but that said like with the with you know um with prometheus you're able to essentially uh in, intermediate like 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 mediate automatically uh you know who owns what and so uh that could actually have covenants applications that allows us to make a lot of rules about how that system works and then also delegate a lot of how that system works out to client-side validation. All that uh, gives us a lot more flexibility in, in how we, like in what we need and, and how, how we solve problems. And so, it, it, I mean, honestly, I would, I would recommend, at this point, I, I'm so focused on like solving these problems without needing changes to Bitcoin. Maybe we can you know, explore these avenues first before, uh, you know, reaching for the, the big guns, you know? Cool, man. Well, we covered an absolute ton in this conversation. Is there anything that I didn't touch on? Uh, any closing thoughts you want to, you want to leave for the people? Uh, I just, I, I think the, the, there's, there's two things. One is I've never been more bullish on the development energy in Bitcoin. Uh, we've been doing a lot of, you know, just the hard work in the back end to uh, not just develop 
new stuff, but also train the next generation of Bitcoin developers. I'm actually going out to uh, Italy next week to help uh, with a seminar with some uh, people from El Salvador and India and uh, Italy to uh, uh, like these are students who are who are learning how to build in Bitcoin, and this is a a, a seminar that covers Bitcoin, Lightning, RGB, and that sort of thing. And and uh, we're 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 just investing a lot of time and energy and money to making sure that uh, these skills, these technologies, take off and have the development energy behind them. And so, uh, uh, in order to to you know uh, scale to 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 meet the needs of all the people who will need to use them. I'm bullish on, on the development side and a lot of, a lot of, you know, ordinary, like, like people, plebs, you know, like, will will not necessarily get exposure to the development side. I've never been more excited about development on Bitcoin. The other thing I would, I would say is, you know, I've never been more bullish on hybrid Bitcoinization, like the concept that, you know, Bitcoin will take over. Uh, I, I mean, like I'm very much a Bitcoin maximalist. I, I, uh, from the technologies I've seen, I, I, I don't really see much necessity or utility or desire to use any other, anything else. And, uh, then, you know, uh, as far as like, you know, being able to serve all eight to 10 billion people, uh, I think B Bitcoin through layers will be able to solve for that. And, and, and I have very few doubts about that. And so. Um, I, I think, you know, that the Bitcoin future, like the bright orange future is, is well within our, our grasp, uh, so long as we build towards it and we support it. And, uh, so yeah, those are the two, two points I'd like to, I, I absolutely love it. I, I've been here two years and I couldn't agree more. Like the, the dev fervor right now, what they're calling the Bitcoin Renaissance, it just feels, it, it's so exciting. Yeah, this is, this has been great. Well, just to close it out then. Give us some of the obligatory links for you, for what you guys are working on at Diba, and then maybe to bracket too, because RGB is not really in the common parlance, like it's kind of a, a side community currently. So drop any links or communities or that you like would love to shout out. So if people are interested, they can kind of get involved. Yeah. So just off the top of my head, there's uh, Diba.io, D-I-B-A.io. Uh, that's for our uh, unique digital asset marketplace that we're we'll launching on November 11th. Uh, bitmask.app is how you can go and use our, our bitmask wallet. You can also use a beta version of our bitmask wallet, uh, beta.bitmask.app. Uh, if you, if you choose to use that, definitely join our telegram channel or our discord channels and let us know, like give us feedback and your experience and, and like, it really does help us out have to have, you know, feedback and bug reports and, you know, just engagement from the community and even just, uh, uh, so, uh, just, just kudos uh, that helps us out, you know, get through our day. Then, uh, for our people who are unfamiliar with RGB, uh, I, I would recommend going to rgb.tech, uh, which is the, the main RGB site. Uh, and, uh, if that doesn't do it for you, I think a more, uh, uh, kind of like practical site also is rgb.info, which has links to all the different RGB wallets and all the different, like, T technical um, community projects and and uh, yeah so and I, th I, I it definitely helps to get integrated in the community from like other Telegram or Discord or you know just different um, like just talk talk to people ask questions uh, learn more about it perfect and I'll have all the links below as usual for people make it easy on you but uh, 
Man, Hunter, thank you for coming on. This has been super illuminating. I'm sure people are going to love this one, and they're going to like it more once they try Diva because it, it really is a game changer once you try it compared to everything else you're used to in Bitcoin. So, uh, yeah, props to you guys for what you guys are building, and thanks for coming on and dropping some knowledge. Thank you. Thank you for listening this far into the episode. If you found it enjoyable, please do like, subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening on. YouTube does me a huge favor to like and subscribe. Find me on Twitter at JakeBlockchain. Show me some love. I reply to every DM. And if you are a Bitcoin builder that is kind of at the forefront of building new use cases, whether it's L1, Lightning, Stacks, Rootstock, Rollups, Ordinals, BRC20, uh, I want to talk to you. So when I'm not doing this podcast, I am the sourcing partner at the Bitcoin Frontier Fund, where we invest in Bitcoin startups at the earliest stages, give you access to whatever you need, whether it's legal, product, fundraising help, as well as capital. So let me talk to you. You can hit me up again. Find me on Twitter at Jake Blockchain and uh, shoot me a DM. I'll, I'll read everything. Love to talk to you guys. All right, peace. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting out, I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out, make it out, cause I don't think about it.